Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Open Era Podcast. My name is Devang Design. I'm joined as always by Mr. Simon Bushel. Bush, a winter hellscape greets us in Toronto as we look towards sunny Indian Wells. I have incredible FOMO. I wish I was there. God damn it. I wish I was there. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well and I'm grateful for you joining us today. We did have a side conversation about whether or not you should step back from presenting Open Era. Um, because of your comments made in regards it's to true. the government's asylum policy, but you made it through. The BBC taking a stand only <laughs> against people not being racist shitheads <laughs> sure is a sign of, of where we've come in 2023. And and they're not showing us a segment of the David Attenborough special because it's too harsh on the realities of what our climate is is being degraded to. Yeah. The UK seems to be in great shape, Simon. Not to derail us entirely, but what the hell is going on? Jeez Louise. Yeah, and then you've got this absolute idiot waiting in the wings to become the next prime minister in two years' time who doesn't really take a stand on anything. So you could pretty much project anything you want to him on a as a political figure. Gotta love the place that I grew up in, Dev. Yeah, wonderful times. And and as Canadians, we'll, we'll fully admit it's not... Uh, it's not roses all of the time for us either, but guys, get it together over there. Please, please, just ridiculous. <laughs> Do better. Um, <laughs> Indian Wells, Bush, feels like this is the, the restart, a.k.a. all the uh, the tennis hipsters come back on the, the bandwagon to join the ride and watch the two biggest American tournaments outside of the U.S. Open. What's your, your vibe with Indian Wells? I... I I recall you saying that you wanted to get down there a few times and it does look like tennis paradise. I'm not just trumpeting the marketing slogans, but it does kind of look like the place you would want to be if you just wanted to be fully engorged on tennis for two weeks. He's bought the marketing, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm a mark. The Listen, check will be sent in the post. I fully admitted I am a mark, but this, I'm like, yeah, it's especially on a, a winter storm day as I... As I contemplate basking in the sun and watching Richard Gasquet and Yannick Sinner hit the piss out of the ball just for fun, you know, like, wouldn't that be cool? How inconsiderate is it uh, in regards to our schedule when we record that it's very difficult to find a, a good spot because we're halfway through a tournament for a Masters. We can't really <laughs> talk about anything, can we? We can't really. We can't really talk about 
what's happening in the early rounds as well. And it's kind of stretched out. Like we could just lay into John Isner for a while. I don't know if you want to do that. <laughs> could. Definitely could. But you're right. It is it is a tough time to talk about this tournament because it's not like it started on Monday either. I think the matches really got underway on Wednesday, I guess you could say. That hallowed Wednesday start time <laughs> yeah. that we all know and love for tennis. <laughs> Did anything stand out to you in the really early goings on? I, I think that for me, and I, this won't change based on what happens in the next few days, but the Andy Murray experience is getting um, it's getting David Lynchian for me now, where it feels it feels like a sick Ooh. game is being played by multiple parties involved, and and he's racking up those wins, but I feel jarred and unwell most of the time after these matches. I think when you're getting. Casper Ruud versus Diego Schwartzman in a round of 16. It's always entertaining to see what you're getting on the receiving end of it. There is good high-quality tennis on both men's and the women's side, isn't there, in these early rounds? It's not like you're getting scrubs. And I think Indian Wells brings out the best, does it not? It brings out such high-quality fields. It does seem like the players love to go there and love to play there. So across the board, I think it's just a really good time to watch tennis. I've enjoyed it so far. I think probably... Yeah, Murray's probably the pick of the bunch, right? Because it's just a continuation of him destroying his body for <laughs> our benefit. For the greater good, the, for the greater the good, US, whatever yeah. that is, for the greater good. <laughs> Should we turn our attention to some articles that have been released during the course of the last week? Because we can touch on a bit of Indian well stuff in parting shots of just some matches mm-hmm. that have caught our eye. But I think there's some more broad stuff that I think it would be fun to turn our eyes towards, Dev. And I guess I should start off this segment by wishing you International Women's Day, happy International Women's Day, and to all of our audience as well. 100%. Uh, this past Wednesday, uh, shouts, yeah. I didn't want to say, I felt like one of those professional sports teams that releases a video that does far more harm than good when it celebrates international. <laughs> Cleveland Browns. The Toronto Cleveland Raptors. Browns. The Toronto <laughs> Raptors. The Toronto Raptors put out a video. I'm like, oh God, no. And I, I saw a soccer team in the UK with that. Uh, they put the names of, of the woman they admired the most on the back of their kits. And it was just like, mum, nan, sis, <laughs> mum, discontinuous. It was just... Yeah, I think those videos defeat the purpose of, of what's actually to be celebrated. But yes, this this day did happen on Wednesday and sticking with bros will be bros and talking about tennis because we're two dudes talking about it. I think it's <laughs> fitting that we talk about Denis Shapovalov tackling this subject as well. And it's not the first time he has done this. I mean, how many players have actually been advocates, have been allies for the women's game that have held a, a prominent voice in on the ATP. It's not very many, Dev, mm-hmm. is it? It's not many. And I think that's kind of a sad state of affairs to see him having the opinions he did and writing in the uh, Players' Tribune during the course of the week and the subsequent video that came with it, which I thought was was very powerful as well. And just like, this stuff's important. Like clearly the fight, it's all inclusive. It's not just a women's issue, even though by and large, like uh, everyone who is involved in this does benefit from it because like having a stronger women's game is is beneficial to everyone involved. But I think the underlying message that he was pushing for and the headline of the piece is the gender gap should not exist. And just hearing someone who is admittedly a former top tenor in the ATP say that is just very refreshing and very nice to see. Yeah, and I think I, this was mentioned on the Discord, but the bar is pretty low in this regard in terms of what, what, we, <laughs> what we ask uh, from our athletes. But I... I mean, for his his quirks and foibles, Chapo seems to get it in a lot of regards. Like I, 
it's funny, like the guy on the court sometimes I can't really get with, or I am sometimes I'm frustrated maybe by his by his actions or, or the way he yells or his or man, his mannerisms. But off the court, generally, I feel like he's someone who you can tell has a decent head on his shoulders. And I think him or whoever helped him write this and, and whoever worked with him on this really understood what they've received in terms of male privilege and kind of laying out the uh, just the discrepancies and the pay gap. And I, I think... And I noticed this with the Canadian soccer discussion that we're having in, in this country about the women's team and and tr- fighting for equity and fighting for equal pay and and people taking issue with them perhaps not nailing a hundred percent of the facts down or a hundred percent of the figures down in some of their public speeches or in some of their public hearings that they've had this week as well. I'm like I don't think necessarily that is the point to, to hone in on, right? I think this is a larger message here that we are getting at. And I think Chapeau raising the question of why a WTA 250 event and an ATP 250 event don't uh, generate the same money. I'm seeing a lot of replies. will be like, well, economics dude 101 saying, well, obviously this is why, because so-and-so sponsors, so-and-so is bankrolling this. But I think the larger question is actually why and who is bankrolling what, and what can we do to address that? Not just, Hey, this is how it's been. So we're just going to chill with that. Yeah, there's an element to this, isn't there? At and it seems like his sort of approach to this has been through the eyes of his mum and through the eyes of his girlfriend as well. And I think we've all kind of had that position, not just in regards to uh, patriarchy or sexism in broad terms, but any social issue where you see it for the first time. Like you're in a situation, either someone that you've you've not thought about an issue in a certain way, or you've seen something presented to you which is a clear case that shouldn't that doesn't sit right that just doesn't make sense and you've kind of got one or two paths from that you either like side with those with those people those people who are either minorities or uh people who are in a, a position of uh, less power and less status in some ways or you just make something up and you just stick to it and it seems like a lot of people have just like try to form an opinion of the world around like absolute nonsense and thinking that things are absolute. And I think that's the thing that you're touching on with regards to like the economics issue. I don't think most people understand that economics is just made up as well, right? Like it's like in all of this stuff, we we have the choice to change a lot of it. Yes, there are rules and there are things that are in place for this particular version of it. But overall, this is all kind of just bullshit and we can change it anytime we want to. Yeah. And like reading the when he gets invited to the national training program and, and they're basically like telling his mom, no thanks when she's trying to maybe um, impart some advice or help out. And the fact that she was a national team player in the Soviet union, they're like, nah, we're good here. Um, Yeah. I, I feel like this is a common story or too common of a story. Sorry. Across not just Canadian sports, but sports as a whole, it does regenuate. And I think, like I said, Dennis is, you can tell he, he's close with his mom in many respects. And I was mm-hmm. just making fun of that soccer team having mom or nan or, or sis on the back of all their kits. But that their relationship, I think, is is quite special because I think you've seen him, seen him kind of direct a lot of his ire when he's on the court towards here too sometimes. And I find that fascinating because it's like it's a person you love the most, the person who knows you the best probably falls the least for your your bullshit on the court, really. So it's it's, it's that relationship, I think, that's really interesting. The accompanying video, which goes with the article that Shapovalov had, just wanted to draw out a few things from here. Firstly, 35 thumbs up, 140 thumbs down. 
Uh, so uh, make of that what you will. Top YouTube. comment here. YouTube. Woo! YouTube. Gotta love it. From uh, we'll place. call out names. Let's do it. Top spin Timmy. As much as I love Shapovalov as a tennis player, I gotta disagree with him on this one. Man, we were just fucking waiting for that top spin, top Timmy, spin Timmy take on this one. How many? Yeah. How many thumbs up for that? Uh, this one has four, yeah. so you know, not too. Uh, men play five sets instead of three in Grand Slams. Increased court time, larger crowds means more revenue generated. This means men should be paid more. Thanks for top spinny. Yes, <laughs> top spinny. Thanks, whatever you're saying. The economics um, 101 arc. Yes, the bros are circulating with their Penn Wharton business degrees. No, no. He's got his he's got his abacus out. Maybe this guy works for fucking McKinsey or whatever <laughs> it is. Um, Goldie. Also, let's have a look at Goldie. Do not give a description of crowd size. Give a breakdown of all caps, revenue generated, full stop. Extra, like the uh, idea of full caps to the, really emphasize that as well. Also a top comment on here. Um, also, Jet. Is it really a pay gap or people just not interested in women playing tennis? Hmm. Okay. Thanks for all of these. He does realize they sell cheaper tickets, right? <laughs> these are just like the absolute most wonderful comments that we're seeing. Dev, I'm glad that you touched on the Canadian uh, women's soccer team because during the course of this week, it has been entertaining to watch this unfold and quite heartbreaking in a lot of ways to see just the 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 strife to just be fucking paid. <laughs> like, yeah. we're just, like, the bar is so low here. It's, it's just incredible that a, there's something very ironic about as a, and I know this story is not tennis, but I think it's, it's interesting and in, that it occurs during International Women's, uh, the week of International Women's Day. It's the month and too. This I believe it's well. International Women's Month. And it was just, too, of course, right? yeah, absolutely. Um, where you have like a situation where uh, the women's team is told they cannot strike. They are not allowed. They're, they're legislated back to work. And then they get called up to go to parliament to have to explain themselves. It's absolutely insane. Like the one body that says that you can't do yeah. it, then you're required to come before and explain what you're, why you were striking in the first place. The other worst part of this was the MPs on hand to just grandstand incredibly hard <laughs> for, for how long that was going and basically doing no research at all before this hearing and asking the most insanely dumb questions. It did feel sad in many ways. And I, I think these are the conversations that have to be uh, made and have to be had. And, and having people like Nick Bontis, who was the head of Canadian Soccer Exposed, or shown to be a buffoon, an idiot. It's like, this is the things that have to begin to start happening so that we can generate some progress here. But it's those comments on YouTube, Bush, that I come back to. It's like, how do you convince those folks that it's 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 the way the system is designed? That is why the revenues this way, or it is the way that we we have started is why we've ended up here. How do, how do we explain that better? Because I feel like that, that comment or those comments are literally anything you see regarding women's sport or regarding equity. These are the same remarks all the time. I'm not actually convinced that there is a huge amount of explanation that's required to those groups of people that sort of take to, to Twitter and to YouTube is by and large, I think, they're going to have that opinion no regardless what. of what yeah. you say. It's to bad them. faith. It, and I know it's bad faith, but I guess the, yeah, I get sucked in though. And I think that's, that's probably a lesson for me as well. But they, I, I think the intentions they have are, they're not, well, they're not willing to have a conversation about this. Yeah. And I do think more broadly, it's, it's something that I always come back to and, and have in firmly placed in my mind on any of these issues is that most 
almost, yeah, almost certainly the majority of people, certainly in Canada, will share the view that um, gender pay is is something that we should absolutely have. Like, and I think that's you can back that up with polling data and statistics and everything. And it's really largely like I think we've got there in some of in some of the elements of society. It's just the legislation and what's actually happening is not caught up with that. That being said, it's been interesting during the course of this week to read some of the stuff about the history of International Women's Day as well and, and how it sits and lands in 2023, just with how corporatized it's been, with how watered down it's become, how commoditized it's become as a product. The brands. It basically the has brands become as a brand it, as well. Baby. Brands love it. Yeah, totally. And it's it's obviously similar and like there are parallels with how pride has evolved as well. And it is it is a, a time to remember that both Pride and International Women's Day come out of protest and they come out of much more radical causes. And I think it's about time that we remember that as well, because change does not happen by politely asking for it. You do have to push quite hard on this stuff. Well said. Should we should we touch on this new partnership for the WTA? Yeah, I think it's important, isn't it? Because during the course of the week, I think there's actually, was this on Women's Day? I think it was on Tuesday, right? I think it happened on the day before, is that uh, CVC, That's, who I'm sure are a very yeah. reputable Jeez. partnership. I wish that didn't sound CVC as sinister. Capital I, wish, I wish they didn't sound as sinister <laughs> as that did, to be frank. <laughs> they invested in the women's game, and uh, I think it's a decent amount of money. It was $150 million. Is that what I remember? I saw that that number batting around somewhere. I thought it was interesting. I wanted to draw attention to the graphic that the WTA had on their website during this article, just to go from the 1970s to today and who they chose to showcase and also the the points in history that they chose to recognize during this timeline as well, obviously starting in the 1970s with Billie Jean King and the original nine um, and the, you know, the, the foundation of the WTA seems like a good, pretty good place to start on this. Good, good job in that room. Yeah. Um, and then you go through Chris Everett and Martina Navratilova, and you have the Williams sisters, and you have that moment in the early 2000s where you have all four grand slams reaching equal pay, um, and then you sort of arrived at today. And I think it's it's interesting to to notice that they they frame this in quite groundbreaking sort of language, and the way that it was presented is that this is this is a huge deal for them, and this money actually will be really useful for the future of the game. So. Yeah. We will wait and see, I guess, on that one. I wonder if if they, sh- I mean, I know why they didn't, but I wonder if they should have added the Peng Shui incident onto this this history sure. marker because I feel like that was a massive moment for this tour as well. Because this reads to me like they don't plan on going back to China anytime soon, Bush, with this deal, and like I think they're looking for different ways to to recoup that money that they lost because I think that was a big, big part of of their plans not long ago. And I wonder how much that has affected what the WTA is going to do going forward. We touched on it last week, didn't we? That the sheer lack of tournaments that are taking place comparatively between the WTA and the ATP, by and large, that money has not been recouped, has it, from what happened with Peng Shui and, and pulling out of those tournaments in, in China. And I think this money will go a decent amount of the way to, to help with that and put on more tournaments and have more prize money across the board. I will say that I have no idea who CVC are. I just assumed, like with everything and all walks of society, that they're just like a pension fund at this point, because like pension funds own everything, don't they? Including probably the place that you're living at the moment. Uh, <laughs> and I mean that like Queens, you everyone. Right. If you're renting, you're probably private. Own, it's probably owned by a pension. No, well, fund. no, they're private equity <laughs> investment firm. So sorry. Okay. Yeah. 
and they they bad language. They do. Uh, <laughs> well, no, I think it's 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 very opaque. Like I, I don't. I think they've done stuff with <laughs> Formula One, MotoGP, uh, La Liga, IPL cricket, all upstanding, upstanding institutions. Absolutely, <laughs> cutting, no issues. That there. are cutting fantastically legal deals all the time. So, no, I. I Here's a question for you. Dave. Yeah. Question for you. Why is Jess Pagula's dad not funding the WTA? Like, I know it's conflict of interest and everything. Are they? Are the Pegula family funding any parts of the WTA? Not that I'm aware of. Not that I'm aware of, to be frank, but... They must have $150 million lying around, surely. Why do that when you can invest it solely into your daughter to take over? And then at some point when she's done, (laughs) buy what you need to buy. You suggesting that she's going to become the next chair? Yeah, of the, I would the not. Or they're just going to buy the tour when I she's done retired. She's, she's pretty damn good at the the public speaking thing too. I definitely could see that. I mean, we're going to talk about her in a bit, but if this is our bit, our only truest prediction to come to come true, or if this actually happens, I wouldn't be stunned at all if Jess Bengula is like running the show in twenty years. I guess we should wrap this segment by just echoing what Denis Shapovalov has, the start of the article and the end of the article, the gender pay gap should not exist. I will echo that 100% and add to it. It should just not, ex- not just in tennis, but across all walks of society. Well said, Simon. When we come back after the break, we'll talk about Jess Pagula and another story she wrote doing some real PR for Players Tribune Bush and our... Uh, And we'll also talk Bianca Andreescu, who is back in the news doing some media rounds as she gets set for Indian Wells. All of that coming up next on Open Arrow. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to the Open Era podcast. Devang, you mentioned it. The back of the last segment an interview with BBC Sports' Russell Fuller, Bianca Andreescu, gave an interview this week and was talking about how tough it's been over the last few years, not just because of COVID, but everything else that's happened to her with injury, with losing love for the game, with her own mental struggles. 
I thought this was a really good read and I thought it was quite topical because the other article you mentioned was talking about how Jess Bagula also struggled in that regard mm-hmm. in what is becoming a pattern of behavior that is at least now being brought to life, which is that tennis is extraordinarily difficult uh, mentally to cope with and that the stress of the tour is not something you can take lightly and I'm glad more players are talking about it. 100%. I, I think Bianca's... I don't know if people made fun of her, but I think there was some some shots being taken at maybe some of the things she was doing to to improve herself or maybe improve her mental health. And I I, I think there was like a, a retreat to Costa Rica, and there was a kind of a fading away from the tour, and a lot of speculation, and a lot of uh, remarks devoted to her future and speculation. But I I, I found her to be extremely well spoken and and someone who's really bearing it all when, when it comes to how she's felt since that U.S. Open triumph and, and talking about the fact that it wasn't always going to be good days and, and even when she won Indian Wells that it wasn't going to be butterflies and rainbows every day. But it it's interesting just taking this away from tennis slightly, Bush, and like going through the ups and downs of life and having things perhaps going well in many regards, but also being unable to to remove a negative feeling because of certain things or certain things that you can't escape from. And I think... Bianca talking about this and talking about how it's not been linear or how there's no perfect recipe, it really hits home because I think there is there is some similarities for all of us. And I, I could find myself empathizing with her a lot and, and her struggles. And it sounds like she's come back to a good place. She's doing the visualizations, imagining winning again, which I imagine is pretty important in tennis because there's just the way it is set up, Simon, and, and how mentally fit you have to be to survive in this game. So all in all, I mean, I, I think the tennis will be interesting to watch, and I don't have expectations if you're approaching the top 10 or residing in the top 10 consistently. I probably don't know if that's going to happen again, but it sounds like she's in a good place in general, and I think that's all you could ask for. It sounds really solid. It sounds like she's actually got things figured out at this point and just having that solidity back again and just really enjoying what she's doing I think is a really good starting point to what success looks like and sometimes success is not just all about winning and losing it's having the ability to actually function and feel healthy not just mentally but physically as well so I think in that regard it's it's really great to hear uh, at least she's not doing the darkness tour the hell was yeah, Aaron Rodgers Aaron doing? Rodgers Go, so people it, can make fun of that. See, like she didn't do that. I feel like no. if people, then that's that is he should back be. Yet? He is back. He is okay. Back. Yeah. And even then, I mean, do you? I, I I'm having totally. I'm having a hard time being like what a what a moron. Even though I just said that, but at this point in the game, I'm like she mentioned or it's mentioned. I think Russell mentions the fact that the COVID was especially tough for her, and and she was in one of the pretty intense lockdowns at the Australian Open. And in fact, I think her coach caught COVID on the flight over. And since then, it's been pretty random. And I find it fascinating that she's linked up with this all-French team who are now kind of doing like the anti-tennis training and throwing an American football around and and doing anything but tennis. Because I think the overtraining aspect of all of this is, is fascinating to me as someone who's been reading about this in terms of NBA players getting hurt so much recently because they play way too much as kids. And I probably imagine that's pretty similar for tennis players. I haven't read that article yet. I have it saved and I was really curious about it. I like 
Baxter Holmes' work a lot. I think he does really good work for, and his writing's very good. What was the gist of it? Is that basically, I, I assume here, is that it's become an industry and like we're asking a bunch of three-year-olds to... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're asking your five-year-old to play 20 competitive <laughs> games a week and learn how to do his addition at the same time, basically. And that's the... No, yeah, I think it's just the, pro- the proliferation of meaningful, quote-unquote, meaningful games or competitive games and how you have, like, your school duties and your regional team duties and your AAU duties. And it's just, it's unrealistic to to put that much on someone and expect them to to make it through how many, how many ever years it is and have a, a healthy body afterwards. And, like, tennis is, holy cow, are there some similarities there? And I think there's... There's levels to this that we have seen in, in some of these documentaries that have come out. And I, I think the Rafa Nadal Academy one's the best that I've seen at, at kind of showing you what it's like for youngsters at this point and like what what happens to them if they do get hurt. Because they show a couple instances of, of players getting hurt right at the cusp of them turning pro. And it's a disaster. It's an absolute disaster because you've lost so much time. And it's because you're playing so much before. So it's... It's tough, but I, I mean, Bianca's definitely learned a lot about herself and, and her body, best of all, right? So I don't think overtraining is something that she's going to experience again. I think sport is such a really good vehicle to understand modern-day structures, both politically and economically as well, because they're such everyone understands like how this stuff operates and, and works, not just from a labor standpoint, but just more broadly and, and how it all kind of fits together and like just seeing the overtraining, seeing like how much, even going to any like local club level or seeing like a, a nine-year-old being absolutely like dressed down and yelled at by a coach because they haven't You missed succeeded. your assignment, Nicholas. Like, you missed your what assignment. The, what is going on here? Like, please just leave these poor children alone. Yeah. And referee it's, abuse and- yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's everything taken to an absolute extreme. It's that sort of hyper, hyper capitalism stage that we're in, your sort of extreme end of your neoliberalism uh, structures is is on full display in so much of sport. And I think this is just another evolution of it, which is this, it drives people and the expectations that get placed on them to such extreme degrees that yes, on the one hand, and I think it's interesting as well, because like you, you could, it's, I, I will say this, and this is my opinion, is there's far more bad than good. But it's not all terrible, right? right. There's, there's fractions of it that you do produce incredible athletes and you do produce incredible you know, feats of physicality and incredible achievements in sport. I just don't ultimately think it's worth it, honestly. I just I just don't think it. And like I think we're we've got to look in the mirror on that one and figure out like ultimately is it worth the sacrifice all of this is going into to to actually achieve those things? Cause almost certainly not. Yeah. I mean, it feels like you're treating these these kids like lottery tickets, basically. And I don't I don't just mean like the parents. I mean the whole ecosystems that develop around these athletes. Should we chat about Jesper Gula? This Let's, essay yes. that was a couple of weeks ago, I guess now. Yeah, around a few there, weeks ago. I think. And the reason I wanted to combine it together into this segment and for us to talk about it is because I think it is a nice carry on from all the talk of 
how Bianca Andreescu struggled with her own mental health and fell out of love with the game is that it is a reminder and it is a peek behind the scenes of how challenging it is. Even if you are a billionaire's daughter, like there's still human issues that go into this, like to have your mum basically almost die and then have to be expected to go out and do your job in front of people and perform an elite level with the expectations that get placed on you as a top tenor. It's pretty damn hard, Dev. Yeah. Pretty damn hard. Yeah, and I think the some of the I think Belinda Benjamin she was like, I had no idea she was going through this, and it shows how strong Jess is. It's like, yeah, and like I I, I think we've moved at least some of us have to a place where we no longer castigate people for showing emotion or, or breaking down because we understand that people go through a hell of a lot, and we don't always understand what that is. So let's not let's not be too quick to judge. But I that idea of someone displaying that strong upper lip or being able to roll with the punches or, or not not really display grief and how that's a positive thing. It's fascinating. It's like, oh God, like we really kind of lionized this and, it, and it's, it's, I get it. I understand she's a competitor and, and she has her own goals and that's the whole point of this thing for her. But I wonder if we'll ever get to a place where that's not something that we applaud. Yeah, I think it's, because it kind of filters down, doesn't it? Like the idea that you, there's, there's whatever we define as strength as well. Like, I don't think you should be expected to show strength in, in a certain capacity. Like you should be allowed to break down. You should be allowed to yeah. fall apart when your mum is yeah. ill. Like that's like, completely yeah, fine yeah. and completely understandable. Like, And I don't think, I don't when, think Belinda, Bedge, or I don't think she's trying to be a jerk about this, I don't think, right? Yeah. It's just like, it's just something that we've totally ingrained as a thing. It's like, wow, that person's tough. It's like, fuck, I guess. I think, I think it's funny as well, right? Like we started this episode talking about how like the state of the United Kingdom and there as a country, like the literal government slogan during the war is, you know, keep calm and carry on. Like that's, and you look at it of, of how problematic that as a, as a phrase and as an ideal has seeped itself into the British psyche and consciousness. Like, no, you, you like it, it should be bad. Like you should feel emotions when things go wrong or things do not work out you should be angry to see inequalities and inequities in society like those things are legitimately true you can't sweep it under the rug and it's probably about time that we all say that and be fine with it it's well said they're they're well suited to tackle this issue you know like i feel like there's there's a place i think for for the sport to be on the front foot when it comes to engaging these kind of discussions and and kind of opening um, a behind the scenes look for the rest of us to see what it's really like. Cause I think it's been extremely helpful and it's, it's comforting as well that it's, it's, it's not just a few players. I think we're seeing a lot of these stories come out. Like I think for me that the Dennis thing and like the, the article he writes, I'd like to see war mail players step up, you know, and voice these, these same arguments. And I think we have seen that, but I think there's, there's room to, for, progress there and i don't imagine we'll be that far behind because i i do feel like there has been a positive generational shift in this regard yeah i think so as well and i think it's easy to make fun of chapeau like to complete all this segment now like i think it is easy because it's like no i i spoke to my girlfriend and i realized that women actually <laughs> oh, should be pa- like yeah I mean, like, <laughs> you can totally you can totally make fun of someone for that like that's i think that is but at the same time at least he got there yeah. at least he got there and at least he listened like that's and you cannot ask her any more than that. And he even went a step further than that. Like he published it. He went out, he 
put himself on the firing line because people will talk shit about him. Well, he showed a level like, of you know, more power. To he it. showed a level. Yeah, he showed a level of curiosity that those YouTube commenters will never show. They'll never. Exactly. They'll never have no, it. In, exactly. They'll never have it in their capacity to show that sort of um, inquisitivity and, and that compassion for others. And that's a shame because it's their loss. But yeah, Bianca. I mean, tennis wise. We'll see. We'll definitely see. I don't know where you, where you net out on. I think we were quite not low, but I think it's just a, a wait and see kind of thing. And you mentioned uh, how stacked these fields are. It's these kind of tournaments, though, that I think she thrives in in terms of the. And I mean, hell, her history here speaks for itself. But it's former winner, former winner. Yeah, but former I, winner. I mean, I would love, yeah. I would love to see her against Iga if they can get through to that. But we will not date ourselves too badly on this spot. I'm excited to see. With this new sign of outlook on life and her being back to where she feels like is a as a, a comfortable level for her, whether or not that translates into wins and losses for the rest of the year and how, whether or not to see, because I think there are some technical issues with her and <laughs> far be it from me is literally two weeks removed from saying I don't care about technique. I care about like patterns and, and people's abilities not have weaknesses exploited. I think she still has some pretty big weaknesses in her game, which is... One, and that's and that's the thing. Ultimately, is the one that I the thing that I always look for in circle is is how much of this isn't related to uh, what's going on off the court, and how much of it's in related to what's going on the court. And right, and right. you can balance out one of those things by making some life changes and and putting things into perspective and like having good surroundings. The other thing takes a lot longer because you got to do a whole lot of training to overcome your weaknesses, and you got to do a whole lot of work to get around that. So. We'll see. We'll definitely see. I wanted to see uh, who uh, Lambert had worked with, uh, the new coach that she hired at the end of last year. Does she speak French? Did I miss this? She lives in Montreal, right? Well, I think he was the he was the high performance tennis director for Tennis New Zealand. So he came from there. I. Yeah, I think there's some sort of connection. He does have Hennis Canela roots, uh, and they worked together during her junior days. So, some comfort there. And I, th- yeah, I mean that's that's not one of the other things. That, like usually, that's the the story we get when someone does make a run, where we we hear about their happy life um, leading to a, a happiness on court that they've been they've been finding. And I wouldn't be stunned if that's the case for Bianca because she seems like. She's in a good spot. But yeah, give me Iga Bianca early on and I'll be pleased. And give me more Coco sightings. I think that's the thing that we've missed the most, is it not? No, it's not. I'm 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 joking, but I would like to see Coco again. Wow, the dog. I was like, oh my god, the dog, <laughs> the dog. Uh, I think they have an, an Instagram. I think they have an Instagram if you're curious. They remarked on her social media game uh, in this article as well, which I guess is good, but I don't know, Simon. I don't know if that's just me being a hater, but... Social media bad. You're not even on Twitter anymore, so we can end there. Okay, when we come back, close (laughs) this week's show. It's Parting Shots on Open Era. Welcome back to the Open Era podcast. Devang, it's time for Parting Shots. It's part three. What better way to start than with a discussion of Novak Djokovic failing to circumvent Uh, the rules? So, yeah, if you haven't heard it, obviously you have at this point, by this point, sorry. But Novak has withdrawn from Indian Wells after 
being unable to secure an exemption in order to enter the U.S. and compete in this tournament, he was replaced by dun 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 Nicolas <laughs> Bashiasvili, <laughs> the, the biggest. Oh God. That's not great. That's not great at all. So <laughs> huge amount of irony in that yeah, as well. God, but, God, yeah. <laughs> so the U.S. still does not allow unvaccinated foreigners to enter the country, but the government will end its COVID-19 emergency declaration on May 11th. So U.S. Open will be fine. He'll be back for that. He had applied for an exemption, but didn't get one. I saw that some people in Miami, including the biggest buffoons you could find out there, Florida Senators Marco Rubio and Rick Scott, have written to Joe Biden in support of this exemption so that Novak could play at the Miami Open. I saw people also trying to organize like a boat landing so that Novak could come in through marine <laughs> laws or some some roundabout way of getting in. But yeah, it's all farcical. It's I'll be honest here as well, Bush. The, the U.S. rules are a bit strange to me at this point as well. I'm not sure what they have done or what they are doing or, or what their plan is in regard to COVID in general, and I don't want to dig too deep into that. But yeah, the saga, at least this conversation will end in a few months. But I mean, this is the end of of Novak exemption talk, I guess. I think like if you looked at this objectively and took a step back, it's obviously farcical. (laughs) Given everything else that's happening, (laughs) this person... (laughs) <laughs> it's cl- like clearly well, their law, their laws the seem very arbitrary at this point as well. Now, so I'm not quite. I don't want to say that Novak should have been welcomed in on a on a red carpet, but I'm like, what the hell are they doing at this point? Yeah, I mean, just given the quantity of people that were not vaccinated yeah. in that country anyway, yeah. right? And just all the things that was it, given that government and that country's approach to the pandemic anyway it does seem ridiculous that in a country seemingly full of anti-vaxxers maybe one of the most high profile ones is not allowed in it's very very curious in that regard that being said dev if this if this teaches him a lesson (laughs) question mark it's not not, isn't it it's like wait a minute i I get it now after they tried to hide me in a boat to land me in the miami harbor i realized (laughs) that maybe i should have got this vaccine marco when marco rubio writes a letter on your behalf to someone i think that should be a sign as well but hey that's just me but i think that's it's like doubling down on all this stuff right when when you feel when someone is trying to organize a boat to smuggle <laughs> you into country you take on a level of martyrdom that i feel yeah. like you yeah are just like so beyond saving at that point that it's kind of kind of sad across the board um yeah, I mean, just a, a disappointing, a disappointing saga. Not just, and we've spoken about this so many times. I just find myself going back and just being so sad for for tennis and for the sport that we sort of have this person as a figurehead who's just like just just not great at all, like just just awful in some ways as well, and just like that's just yeah. bad, and that just really makes me feel awful. I think you do you do a really good job though of separating the person from the tennis player. And like being able to to compliment the the tennis abilities, while also plainly stating your feelings on Novak. So I I think it's a skill because I at, at this point I'm like the the tournaments are at a they're worse off when he's not there, and there's a hole there's a Novak size hole when he's not there, and it just yeah it just it's grimy and not good all around. I think about Novak Djokovic the same ways that I think about like Dark Souls or From Soft Games. <laughs> I'm not a fan personally. I understand why people like them. Ultimately, I think it's kind of problematic for the industry, but 
I understand that you enough people it. like them. You get it, yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. That's the best analogy ever. Fantastic. <laughs> Should we move on? Yes. <laughs> there are, I guess, going back to back on diplomatic and geopolitical incidents, it was reported, I guess reported, speculated during the course of this week by uh, John Wertheim, friend of the show, um, quote, <laughs> for better or for worse, better, brackets, we'd argue. Thanks, dot, dot, John. Dot, Ellipses. Hearing that at Wimbledon (laughs) and the OTA will uh, capitals not, not, Dev, repeat last year's decision to prohibit the Russians slash Belarusians from competing. Further ellipses, two ellipses in one sentence. Outrageous. Didn't they drop all of the character requirement limits on Twitter? Yeah. Do I remember this? They did. They did. That's where you're going to get stuck up here. You're going to be held up on that. That was the issue you had. (laughs) Oh dear. Fair be it. Fair be it. Uh good. Good. <laughs> I have such I have such little faith in UK institutions at the moment, Simon, that I don't even believe this, to be honest. If this is true, great. But I don't even believe it. So we'll see. Is anything official come out yet? I don't think so. I think we're still in the stage of uh, John Wertheim speculation tweets. I'm assuming that he's being... Who's... Actually, that's a good question. Who's feeding him this information? Is it someone at the LTA? I mean, I, I, I wouldn't doubt his sources. I think they're pretty pretty strong Definitely. in this game, right? Complete credible journalist. I'm just curious where it's coming from. Here's a story from Reuters uh, published oh, just today. Wimbledon has not made a decision on the participation of Russian and Belarusian players at the Grass Court Grand Slam. Organi- organizers told Reuters... On Friday, talks will continue. I can see them not letting them in again, Simon. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? Wimbledon? (laughs) Wimbledon? Doing the right thing? (sighs) Wouldn't it? Man, we're going to have Sabalenka and Medvedev, arguably the most two on-form players not at this tournament. Is that what we're going to do here? Yeah. All right, cool. Isn't there some stuff around them being fined or potentially like some serious ramifications if they if they actually do ban Russians and Belarusians again. The ATP was and the WTA were talking about some serious retribution for that sort of issue. Or maybe that I can't remember what it was. It's like they're almost in danger of being like legitimately taken to court on this stuff as well. well maybe that'll factor in. I, I think the the way this the story reads is that no decision has been made, but they have very little time left to make one. So I imagine we'll find out relatively soon. But I think it would just be very, very Wimbledon-y if they continue this. Has Wimbledon or the LTA stopped taking any money from Russians or Belarusians? Have they <laughs> stopped question. any of those? Great question. Any of those millionaires from being part of clubs? I do wonder about that. Let's move on. Maria Sakri and Taylor Fritz uh, saw this article on the WTA uh, website during the course of the week where they were asked about the performance of Breakpoint and how they were characterized on the show. Um, this is coming out with uh, alongside some of the numbers of how Breakpoint has done so far. And is it fair to say pretty mid? Pretty mid across the board? It's not like everyone was ecstatic about how it performed, but at the same time, it was like kind of okay-ish as well. Like maybe a, yeah. good, a yeah. good entry point, perhaps. Is that how we're looking at it? Yeah, I think it could have been worse. It could have been better. <laughs> could have been better. But it wasn't bad, is how I will leave it. Are you a Drive to Survive fan, Dev? Have you watched any of it? I was. I I kind of fell off, though. I'd... It's funny. Like I, I think the 
the format of F1 really lended itself well to that, the way that show worked. And I think the format of this show and the way they kind of chose to, to chronicle it, it didn't fit for me. And I think the golf show kind of runs into this problem as well, where it's very, it's very hit or miss. And I think Drive to Survive became such a cultural thing that we maybe forgot that some of those episodes were mid too, but like we were just overall so in crazy, like just going crazy over it. So I think I came into it too jaded to give it a very fair shake. And in that regard, there were episodes I really liked, really liked and episodes I really didn't care for. So I think not getting into the top 10 of the States is a bit of a, a bit of a, a sad sign to me. Cause I, I think there's so many freaking good American players around right now that the timing of this couldn't have been better. Hitch your wagon to Taylor Fritz. That's my advice on this one. Uh, continue. I, I was literally the first person to ever say that in human history. And look at me now, Bush. Look at me. He's fully gone the ESPN route. Literally, you have to remind everyone of what your predictions are every 30 seconds that you're on it. Just want to remind everyone, I predicted this. You don't believe this. me, man. You don't believe me. <laughs> then turn like, it into a like... war when no one's actually arguing with you. <laughs> People were people were saying I was crazy for coming up with that. Literally, no one said that. Like you're just you're making it up. And um, people say, were saying Steph Curry couldn't shoot anymore. <laughs> Look at him now. Yeah. Everyone was saying Novak Djokovic was done. Like he'd never he'd never win enough. Like no one's no one's ever said that. It's fine. Um, talking about break point, Stefano Sissi Pass. The Stefano Sissi Pass episodes, which I believe are coming in the second half of the year when Breakpoint returns. Uh, it was doing some of the rounds this week. Quote Stephanos. Actually, before that, quote the article talking about Stephanos. Driven to reach the top, the 24-year-old Netflix Breakpoint star <laughs> is determined to keep evolving on this and off the This is on the ATP site. This is on the ATP site calling him that. Uh. Isn't he the world number three? Is that what I remember? Yes. <laughs> Not going to call him that. Quote Sissy Pass. I don't want to waste a single day of my life being stagnant or staying still and not elevating myself through experiences. I have a fear of missing out and I don't want people to know me only for my tennis. Life is about adventures. Life is about creating beautiful memories. I want to have a broader, bigger empire than just tennis. I've explored the filmmaking part of what I am capable of and what stories I want to tell. Music allowed me to express something else. I would like to give people the ability to dream and not be afraid. And the only way you can get to this place is by seeking discomfort and letting yourself free. Now, Dev, remember last year when we talked about the, the yes. potential that he's actually just a um, an AI bot of, and right. the data the source chat. that he's using is like the self-help section of mm-hmm. um, a chapters. Does this article not sound like that? Like it's written by an AI? It does. <laughs> I really, I, I feel like this episode could potentially be excellent or horrendously bad. And there's no in between. I'm quite concerned because it does read like chat GPT, but inspirational quotes. If he doesn't end his career and be, go work in the self-help industry, I just, I don't know what happens, right? Like he's just so Motivational perfect. speaker, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Like he's just such perfect fodder to go into that side of the world. Um, he's 24 years old, you know? I feel like the thing that stuck out to me in this article after reading everything was the 24-year-old. Yeah, <laughs> damn. I don't want to be an ageist. I know 24-year-olds who don't talk like this, but the world is your oyster, my friend. Go get him. He's he's definitely the kind of person that we're going to see get like one of those 
very strange motivational tattoos, like on his on his <laughs> yes. forearm at some point, isn't he? And it won't be the cool stand one. It won't be the wrinkle <laughs> one that we're like, yeah, that's cool. No, it won't be like that. I'm definitely taking definitely taking replies on this one of what Steph's tattoo is going to be that's going to be prominently shown to people. I'm very curious to know what that is. Live, laugh, love has to be it, right? If it's not live, laugh, love, then I'd be stunned. LeBron James style. <laughs> uh, closing out, parting shots, Coco Goff and Cameron Goff. He seems like a cool little dude, actually. He seems very, very fun. So younger brother. Younger brother, yep. And um, during the course of this week, another uh, sort of uh, article that was circulated by the WTA, who are doing really good work. I say this every week that I come on the podcast. WTA website, is really good. WTAtennis.com. Yeah. Check it out, people. They do really good work. Their journalists are excellent. They do excellent, excellent work. Um, anyway, so Goff gets the uh, signature New Balance shoe, the uh, Coco CG1. You know what CG1 stands for? Is it just Coco Goff 1? So it's, is it Cameron really Goff Coco, one? Coco Goff Cameron. 1? Yeah, yeah. Cam Bam CG1. Yeah, I think so. Interesting name. I don't know. Uh, yeah. The colorway is fantastic, though. It's, it's, it's lit, as the kids say, I believe. Well, that was going to be my first question to you. Thoughts on the overall shoe? Like, did you like it? Yeah, I don't mind it. I think that the tongue being like a tennis ball is kind of cool. I think that's the vibe, right? But I like when on the feet, they look kind of cool, I would say. Yeah, I think so. I don't think I could wear this ever, but that ship has sailed for me. So it's not it's not about me, Simon. You're not going to wear this? What goes with these shoes so. is what I'm trying to say. A pair of gray sweatpants and... No, exactly. Gray, maybe an all gray track. track all gray, yeah, absolutely. I track can see that. Track seat combo, yeah. Yeah. What else do kids I'll wear? I'll get you a pair. I'll get you a pair for the holidays. Balloon jeans. <laughs> pair of balloon <laughs> jeans and uh, <laughs> oversized yeah. Yeah, ACDC it, hoodie, maybe. Got some carpenter jeans and an ACDC <laughs> hoodie. Yeah, that's yeah. double XL. Yeah, Carhartt jacket, perhaps. <laughs> All right. Two Corduroy trousers. Two challenges remaining. What do you got? What do you got, Simon? Uh, I, was, I was actually going to just wish Gary Lineker all the best. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Just like, Ian Wright. Just Ian Wright as well. And Ian we Wright, just, absolutely. Do you want to just, you just say, Simon, what, what happened here? What uh, Gary Lineker is being sanctioned for? He, he basically spoke out in advoc- advocacy for the BAME community. Or, or or criticizing the government. I'm trying to figure out which yeah. way to describe this. What am I editorializing what I'm saying as? I think he basically told the government to fuck off, right? Is is the short, like more blunt version of it in regards right. to the new asylum policy. He was he was saying that some of their new asylum laws uh, had the feel of 1930s Germany in terms of what they were trying to do to these people seeking asylum. And... A bunch of Tory MPs didn't take so kind of this, and and he's now been uh, suspended from Match of the Day, which is the biggest soccer highlight show in the world. But yeah, mm-hmm. judge to Gary Lineker, who's consistently on the right side of things, uh, from my my general knowledge, yeah. I think he is. Yeah. I don't think the guy's like massively left wing, but I think he's like seems like a pretty solid, the kind of person that you want in the tent anyway. Like he's not a person that you should be chasing out of. He seems like an ally on a lot of these issues, which is mm-hmm. which is completely fine. Also, just in regards to that, someone might want to go back. I, I do like this whenever you, you have one of these policies and you have a Tory MP being like, how dare you ever actually tell people what we're doing? Which is always like the response that right. you get. It's like, 
I mean, like, we are doing Or it's that, like when you put it like stop. that. It's yeah. like, yeah, because it is like that. That's how it is. <laughs> Anything can yeah, be taken out of context, like Dev. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> What's your two challenges remaining? Or two challenged remaining? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, was, I didn't want to do another moving one, but I am clearing out a lot of stuff um, that I no longer used, but just had. You know, like when you keep stuff that you might need, you think? For some reason, but I was going through it and holy hell, a lot of the stuff I thought I was going to need, I really didn't. And I wonder what went into my psyche as a kid that led me to believe that I might just need some of these things. Is it paranoia? Perhaps. But anyways, moving. It's not all bad. It's, I, I think moving is its a good chance to reset and clear out a lot of junk, which I'm in the process of. I agree entirely. I absolutely hate moving, though. Like the realization of the, I, just having I, so we, much we junk. Just, <laughs> We're starting phase one of our move and a snowstorm has just dropped a ton of snow on us. So yeah, this it's going to be, it's going to require some courage, but um, should be good. Well, let me know if you need any help. <laughs> I, I can't help, but I can Thanks. emotionally <laughs> wow. support, I guess. Okay. Yeah. I'll message you. I'll message you. All right. Uh, we'll leave it there. A reminder, we are on patreon.com forward slash open era. Join us there. Get the show ad free. Get it early on Sundays. Plus join us on the Discord where we're chatting tennis all the time, especially as we hit the sunshine double. Uh, we're also on twitter.com forward slash open era pod for, for however long Twitter continues to work, which cannot be for much longer. Goodness gracious. <laughs> and as always, if you could be so kind to leave a rating or a review, if you enjoy the podcast, that would be wonderful. I think we have a G, uh, a mail email Simon podcasts at openera.ca if you want to get in touch as well and talk tennis for producer Greg on the ones and twos and for Simon thank you so much for listening to Open Era we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>